are listening to the Comic Talk Podcast, where we discuss, dissect, and deliberate things going on in the world of comics. I'm one of your hosts, Dylan Chambers, and I'm joined with... Michael Campbell. And we have another guest here in the studio with us today, Logan Trussner, ladies and gentlemen. Logan Trussner. Logan, how are you doing today, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, thanks for coming on. We have a very interesting subject to talk about today. Uh... Uh, with various emails and yes our spanking new format we used it again michael we used our format we fantastic we adulted Glad to see it's working <laughs> it seems to be working and i'm so excited to talk about i hmm, uh, i might get ahead of myself here i might get in trouble probably the most exciting release in terms of the world of comics i would say across the most this year highly anticipated x title x event since 92 oh 91 well said and today there's like our, our title issue and as we're going starting for the format uh the state of house of x and power of x uh in the X-Men run that is now concluded and started with their X-Men issue, which is very, very exciting. Uh, Michael, go ahead and dive in just about that. So, yeah, uh, Power of X, House of X, Jonathan Hickman, 12 parts. Uh, it's two different series. You can read them separately or you can read them together. Uh, it was fantastic. It takes place in the past, the present, and the future, um, a thousand years in the future, um, and it all comes full circle. Very Jonathan Hickman. I loved it. Fantastic. And it is all um, just a big intro to the Dawn of X, the series that are going on right now. Mm-hmm. We've got six new series getting ready to launch and another three or four launch into 2020. So that's kind of the, the brief kind of the overview. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for and you kind of briefly talked about it, but for some of our listeners out there who haven't picked up this comic before, kind of what, what's the breakdown of both House of X and, and Power of X? So House of X takes place primarily in the present. This is what's currently happening with our X-Men um, in the universe. They're creating a sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, known as Krakoa. Yeah, Krakoa is uh, a living mutant island. Uh, that we have had issues with since Giant X-Men number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the long-standing history with them, uh, an aspect of the island was a character in Wolverine and the X-Men for a while, helped defend the school. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see them bring this character back. Um, Cypher was taken there and like created a bunch of just infrastructure and language and portals and so there's a lot of just really cool things happening with house of x and its effect on the world and you know what xavier's expectations are of not just mutant kind but humankind and power of x is basically the future stories or what led us to house of x how Mm. we got there who got us there um, kind of doomsday clock-esque now you think about it. I of, mean, if you it, think about it, yeah, because everything happening in Power of X directly leads to and back to House of X. Mm-hmm. So you can read either one of them separately, but if you read them, you know, number one, number one, number two, number two, number three, number three, you get so much more out of the story. Right, which is really cool. Logan, what are some of your thoughts and kind of your, uh, your, your review and your kind of your insight on House of X and Power of X? Oh, as a new reader, it was really, really amazing. Like, Hickman, his writing is very, it's very, obviously, in a long-form storm, long-form way, but it's just really engaging, and his the graphics and the art really just pushed it tenfold, harder than, um, you know, I would expect it, and it really drove me in as a new reader, and it just really captivated my attention. 
And uh, I'm really excited to be reading X-Men for sure. Yeah, awesome. And Michael, you were saying something earlier how this is like since the reboot and like the the, the re-pickup of X-Men since 92. So it's been a while since they've kind of had... Well, this is... Uh, they've had a lot of flat kind of stories, a lot of th- events that have happened that really didn't mean anything. So mm-hmm. like... Um, when Jim Lee took over the X-Men in the early 90s and relaunched it, that was just like huge. It was revamped. It was young. It was fresh. It was action-packed. Um, just really in your face. Millions of copies of this book were sold. Um, and I feel like now um, he has given us an opportunity to not just reinvest ourselves into these characters, but have all of the stories we've ever read be kind of freshened up. Not just for us old readers, but new readers. And so I think he's done just a fantastic job of like so many nods to previous stories, so Mm. many just different um, hints, you know, where you get a flavor of astonishing here and there. You get, you know, an idea of, oh, yeah, I remember when Cassandra Nova did that. Or, oh, yeah, I remember when this character did this. I mean, bringing in the five. You know, to you know, the, just those characters alone who were very obscure, but now they have such purpose. Um, yeah, it was even, great. Even bringing in Goldball, somebody yeah, who I mean, been just made is like a nobody throwaway character for the most part, and making him very essential was. And that's just it. Is like I think this was just such a great way to give respect to all of the things before and really just kind of reset. You know, a, mm. a whole a restart button where. He sets it up, he rewrites so much history, and then he leaves so many open ends for future stories. So even if you, you know, aren't going to necessarily like Marauders or like Fallen Angels, uh, you might like Excalibur or you might like X-Force, you know. I mean, just the idea of, you know, the new X-Force, I really like that, you know, but we'll get to that (laughs) later. I mean, so just like there's something for everyone with what he's setting up. Yeah. And I think it's so nice to have that just as a huge X-Men fan. Yeah, and I'm wondering as a newcomer how much of this will be essential to the whole Hickman story. Because as I'm picking up, I'm trying out like uh, every issue for the most part of the new series. But I'm just wondering, I guess maybe you can help me out with this, but uh, what do you think will be like the essential to like the Hickman story that started out with how So X-Men and- will be their flagship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be the book that... Cyclops is, uh, Cyclops is going to be in charge of uh, one of the four captains, as we discover in issue six. Um, he's one of the four captains. And essentially what he's going to be doing is every issue pulling together the team that he needs for this specific mission. Mm. Um, and so that way we're going to get all of the people we know and love and we get to see them in their best, you know, using the best of their abilities for what they're intended for. Um, and then you've, you know, so we, I can give you a complete breakdown uh, if you want of all the books for Dawn of X and what they mean and where where they're going, what their intentions are. Um, you don't necessarily have to read them all to follow Hickman's uh, story, but they will all play a part. We'll get Myra popping in and out where she's needed um, to continue that kind of feel to let you know that Hickman's involved. He is the spearhead. He is the boss and he is basically going to be, you know, the shepherd of all of these sheep. You know, whether or not you want this one individually or that one individually is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You won't have to read them all interlocking, you know, but they will all uh, go with his flow. Okay. Yeah. It's a really neat approach, too, like just with the, the, the way, like having two different like timelines, different storylines kind of go on at the same time. But 
uh, as a specific order. And you can find this anywhere on the internet. If you read them like you were saying, Michael, one one two two three three four four, you get so much more out of the story. That's not something that I've typically seen in comic books before, or, or at least not just in my experience. I haven't seen that a lot, which is really interesting. And I think it, like Logie, you were saying, just envelops you more into the story and really makes it that much more of an experience. Oh, well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, like, you can, like Michael said, read it, um, just read House and Powers, but even in the issues, Hickman recommends that you read both, because without right. without one or the other, both series, while they're strong, they're even stronger together, because you're getting a whole consensus and whole um, larger arcing story that really just, like Michael said again, um, reinvigorates, re- reinvigorates the excitement for the X-Men, as you can see. Right. Um, and it just really makes a, um, story that I found truly engaging and, um, you know, that I'm sure Michael says, like, as an old X-Men fan, while it tends at tossing away stuff, it really just invites to make new and exciting things, which I, most of us comics fans are always wanting for something new instead <laughs> of rehashing of old stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, it does a fantastic job of of rehashing old stuff, but just reinventing it in a way where it feels so fresh, so new. Um, I'm very curious to see how this directly will affect some of the timeline we've seen, you know, as far as like, you know, does this kind of replace some of the the new X-Men stories that we got when we got Cassandra Nova? Um, When does, you know, does all of this take place after you know, because like currently, this is Myra's tenth life. You know, the one that the X Men are. You know, X Men issue number one. You know, right. so so who who is Myra? What's her importance to the? Okay, to the so structure? to to we, get we, into that, yeah, we got a deep dive. To to deep dive real quick to give you all the the nitty gritty. Uh, Power of X focuses on a mutant sympathizer, a uh, human named Myra McTaggart, and. Uh, so the, the very issue one, she introduces herself to Professor X and says that he can read her mind. Well, issue two, we find out why that's so important. Uh, we find out that she, in fact, is a mutant. And after all of this time, we are so surprised to find out that she's, in fact, a mutant and her power is resurrection. She doesn't just get to resurrect. She gets to resurrect with her memories intact from her previous life. So basically the worst form of resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but at least you can change things. You can, uh, you know, it's butterfly affect your own life, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to the best of your abilities. You know, and that's essentially power of X is uh, jumping through all of her lives and how they have brought her to the decision that she needs to be in to let Charles read her mind so that we can get the events of House of X. Yeah. And it obviously leads to uh, the Dawn of X, which they're doing right now, and the the impact that it has on X-Men number one. Because without that, you really can't get of like who the villains are, and um, obviously the big impact it has on the story. Well, she's such an important character even before this. I mean, as a mother to Charles's child, as a um, caretaker of the New Mutants originally, um, as a doctor who just wanted to learn about the mutant, mutant genome. Uh, so she's played such an important role for the X-Men up to this point to find out that she's in fact really a mutant whose powers leave, make it undetectable to anybody else, you know, besides we find the destiny, yeah. you know, and then we find that she has futures that are a little bit, you know, dystopian, if you will, 
you know, and she has to learn from all of these mistakes over and over and over again. But the catch is she only gets 10 tries. Or you know, so we think. Or I so mean, we like, think. To, to what we know as of right now, she yeah. only has only gets 10 tries. And our current, where we're at in Donna Vex, is her 10th try. Mm -hmm. And it's been an amazing ride uh, of reading all of these stories. You know, all of these, you know, year, the human-machine war in 100 years and the ascension in 1,000 years, I think, are just really, really cool ideas. Yeah, and I, I agree, but... As a comic fan, I feel like you have to realize that some of the stuff is just immediately going to be thrown away. Like when when you introduce to like a new future, I guess, unless it's like the twenty ninety nine verse, you know, like you got to realize that this can all be tossed out eventually. Which it's great. is it's part about time travel. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. None and, of it really has to matter as long if you're willing to change it. And that's probably why X Men have done it so many times. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> such honest. a great uh, it's such a great trope. It's oh, such yeah. a it's such a great, especially for anything science fiction, anything fantasy. It's just such an easy way. Um, but if you do it right, you make it fun. And mm -hmm. I think this is one of the ways they did it right. Because if you remember Age of Ultron, when it was Wolverine and Sue Richards going back time after time after time, repeating the same thing over and over and over again, it got really boring. It got really old. It got really stale fast. This did not. This kept it well-paced. Uh, it told the story very well. And just the fact that it brought it full circle for me, you know, just really made it worth wanting to even get into the new Xbox. Oh, yeah. Like you're I, oh, go ahead, Logan. Sorry. Well, I was just saying, um, Powers of X, even though like it's a big reveal at the end, that all of this is... It's a big thing. Um, and it's just... It was amazing that he could tell the possible future, but also tying into the whole more McTaggart resurrection thing and how important possibly this might... This life has on the rest of the life that she has as... Um, I guess are we going to go into like discussing the parts of her lives? Yeah, if if we want to, yeah. Okay. If, if you, yeah so basically, for those of you who don't know, um, Maura's first life was she didn't know she was a mutant, so she's just like, I'm living my life. I uh, married this dude. We have kids, and she dies of a uh, cancer. She was living what she thought was her best life. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then she's like. Well, you know, then she gets re resurrected, and then she's like, "Well, this sucks. I'm, I'm in a kid body, and you know, having to go through puberty and everything else again." I couldn't imagine waking up and being like, "Whoa, this is a womb. Why am yeah. I?" Here? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, because you have all your memories, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's exactly. Horrible. So you <clears throat> you wake up in life number two. You realize that you are a kid again with all your grown up memories, having to go through puberty again. Because here's the thing: at age thirteen is when she becomes a mutant. That's that's the age that, you in know. In each of her lives? In each of her lives, age okay. 13 is when it kicks in. Yeah, because that's when the X gene usually is expressed. It comes with puberty. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with the second life, she has to deal with all those atrocities, which uh, it, get, it piles up, obviously, as we, we'll get into. But um, <clears throat> with that, she basically discovers, hey, Charles Xavier is doing this whole thing, like, um, for mutants and stuff and she tries to because she's originally from i forget what country but she's from europe um somewhere and tragically as she's, she's trying from scotland to, she's from scotland okay. um as she's trying to go over there her the plane blows up so she has to restart in number three wow. and then she, she eventually through goes through all that puberty stuff again which is not, not fun of course but um third time's the drum oh yeah and um she so she hopes <laughs> right exactly 
she eventually goes, but she doesn't have the courage to talk to Xavier this time. But instead of just staying by the sideline, she uses her um, knowledge and she studies up and actually comes up with a cure for mutants. She, she's a scientist and oh, yeah. she she's a creator and she wants to, you know, kind of stop this from affecting people in a negative way. So, yeah, she finds a cure to it in life number three, which uh, was where we find that Mystique and Destiny and Pyro, and Pyro um, are trying to stop this cure from ever finding a home. It's trying to stop her from being able to, you know, replicate this. Oh, yeah. And, of course, as a result, she re- this is when Destiny reveals that, hey, you have ten wives, and basically you can't do this or we're going to end up, I will end up killing you each time. If she you- said, I'll come back before you turn 13 and I will kill you. So then you don't have the ability to come back. Okay. Yikes. So she's, she threatens to kill her before she ever becomes him. You know, everyone talks about shooting baby Hitler, but can they? I believe Destiny could. Um, just <laughs> she, me, though. She has, she has um, that mutant genome. She, she's got that. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, then she gets burned slowly to oh, death yeah, so it's... she can remember this life lesson. Don't make a cure for mutant. Oh, and so well, here we begin with life number four. Yeah, life number four is when she does end up teaming up with um, Xavier and does it his way, which I think ends up with a death by um, Sentinel, I believe. It's a Sentinel attack, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she goes back in number five and basically teams up with Xavier again, but says, like, let's be a little bit harsher. And basically, they come into their own like reservoir or like school that ends up like, being attacked by Sentinels, Sentinels again. Again, <laughs> let's turn it up to eleven. <laughs> yeah, and then um, the Sentinels then number six, we don't know. We yeah, six is a mystery until the very end. So we skip to seven. Yeah, and where num- she becomes an assassin and decides it's okay to kill everybody in the Trask family line mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. she does not want them to create the Sentinels. Yeah, if you've been killed twice by Sentinels already, and puberty three, four, five times by now, you're ready to kill everybody. You're, you're ready just to blow up the world. Yeah, so but, here she is taking out an entire timeline. Yeah, and then in number eight, she decides to go with Magneto this time, just say, hey, he's a bit harsher. I think that's what mutants need. And she teams up, and basically she... Uh, Magneto, of course, ends up attacking the U.S. and all the heroes um, end up attacking and I believe killing Magneto. And I believe she dies in that right yep, in that fight. She, she dies in that fight with Magneto, yeah. and then goes ahead and moves on to Apocalypse. Oh yeah, I mean, she, she basically this is the second longest life, I believe. This is yeah the uh, the the life with Apocalypse is the second longest life. Uh, and what's interesting about this is that. Magneto or uh, Apocalypse is actually you find out that he's a good guy. Um, you find out that he has helped survive, helped the last remaining mutants to survive. Um, you, he has turned Wolverine into war. Uh, you know, and he, he, so that's pretty bad. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, he's he's willing to fight, ride and die to protect the last of mutant kind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. But he was smart. He put her on the sidelines. You know, she's basically mummified right now. You yeah. know? Well, she basically turned into um, Nora, basically, for <laughs> yeah. Dr. Freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Freeze, my bad. Yeah, yeah essentially, good. yeah. And as soon as he's ready, 
He wakes her up. Hey, can I get your permission to kill you? Okay, it's time to do it right. Forces her to accept all of the knowledge that they have just just gotten, you know. And uh, so now that she's force-fed all of this knowledge, she's ready to die. Yeah. You know, and, and that brings us to where we are now in what is House of X, where she meets Xavier, tells Xavier what's up, and now here we go. You get the knowledge. Oh, yeah. You know. But what I must say was I loved the um, art during when she was getting the information because it's basically, if I'm remembering right, she basically got a whole USB chip into her head, which was funny. Just plug it right it was in. A, it was a knowledge crystal. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they had to go find the knowledge crystal from a, fa- a forge factory um, that was creating Nimrods. Mm. Um, which Nimrod was an interesting character in Powers of X. I found found him obviously very threatening, but he was funny at points. I forget what issue it was, but I loved when he was doing like <laughs> that expression. <laughs> um, he was just so excited to do. Uh, and my memory ba- memory is bad, of course, but um, I just found like he had neat moments, which I truly enjoyed. I think Hickman does a great job of writing villains. Um, sure. I was actually reading a couple different articles today about how people were applauding his villains and just the way that he writes Magneto, um, the stature, you know, just his overall, just his demeanor. I, I love it, you know, yeah. because for years we got Cyclops basically taking the role of Magneto and being a really good bad guy. Um, but here he is, Cyclops is back to being not necessarily the Boy Scout, but just being the good soldier. Right. Um, and Magneto gets to be the muscle again. And I love it. That's who you always wanted to see him. This is Cyclops. You always wanted him to see like the the good guy, like the the guy who's always going to listen to orders and be the leader. And yeah, he's a good leader, and he gets things done. You know, he doesn't have to be you know the bad guy anymore. You know, let let Magneto be Magneto. You know, I think it's great. (laughs) Right, let let him do what he's good at. You know, but I agree with you. I think the robots. I think when you see and they show you kind of the transition from man to machine to Nimrod. You know. I'm surprised they didn't throw Bastion in there too, oh, yeah. um, you know, but it, it's just nice to see all of the the robots getting represented too. Oh yeah, and it's definitely interesting with what you get revealed for what's the future of humanity. Well, I, I mean, it's been out now for a little while, so I don't feel as bad. But spoiler alert: um, we'll, we'll make sure we tag this episode. Yeah, the spoiler we'll, alert. We'll make sure we tag it because you know it's, it's been a month now and. I feel like it's perfectly acceptable to say. Yeah. Um, we, we, we have like the, the same Russo brothers clause, like a month later, boom, <laughs> the release is, it's That's over exactly with That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. But Logan, you were saying just like going on with where we are now in, in uh, house of X again with uh, more of his life here. Oh yeah. So, um, the, with all of her knowledge and yeah, you know, yeah. The, the she's now gotten neck. all of her knowledge. She's now come back into life. Number 10, Life number 10, she finally builds the courage to talk to Professor X, um, you know, and so now we've led through, we've gone through all of her lives, and that basically takes you through Power of X number one to Power of X number six. Um, and so in Power of X number six, you know, here's, here's the big spoiler, folks. Um, when we talk about the thousand-year jump, the hundred-year jump, you know, uh, essentially, we know that year one is when Myra meets Professor X, and that's the birth. 
Year 10 is what they're calling the present. So that is what's happening for House of X. Year 100 is the man-machine war where Apocalypse is leading the X-Men, trying to help them survive. Um, and then year 1000 um, is the ascension. We see that man has evolved, mutants have evolved, something has evolved, um, and that there is now essentially um, a zoo, you know, um, and the zoo has what we thought was humans, the remains of the humans. Uh, but in fact, we know that the machines and the humans actually merged, surpassed the mutants, and the mutants are now being housed in the zoo. Um, and we go to find out the two human or the two mutants that actually still exist uh, are Wolverine and Moira. Moira. Exactly. So uh, with this, those two existing. This Wolverine guy just never dies. Huh? He never dies. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what it's going to take. But, <laughs> uh, you know, for however long the librarian has been keeping, you know, these people oh, safe, you know, however long the librarian, you know, so we don't know out of this thousand years how long they've been in captivity. Mm -hmm. You know, how long they've been, you know, Earth has been like this. Um, we just know that the, the sometime after the machine and man war, and you know, so there's 900 years essentially. <laughs> right. We don't know what's been going on other than Wolverine, and we now find out that the mutants that do exist were created, you know, and because of what was happening with the new characters, we got Cardinal, we got Rasputin, uh, you know, we find out the Sinister, his DNA has been really just been cre creating mutants you know and may, whether or not it's for his amusement or survival doesn't really matter at this point i'm very curious to see how those characters may or may not come to pass as these stories unfold later on yeah but logan what are some of your thoughts um i really was shocked by of course the reveal of number six and it was i really loved that dynamic between the librarian and more and um Wolverine, he's like, the librarian was like, I know this is coming, but I really don't want to die. So can you guys basically go back in time <laughs> and make sure this doesn't happen so I don't have to be a part of this whole fail phalanx thing? Because I'm not a real big fan. At least that's what I got from it. But. Yeah, I took it as he could take it or leave it. I think because yeah. he was the one that invented the uh, the war. Uh, he, he invented the thing that brought the phalanx to Earth. Yeah, you know, and let them know that we're more than just man. We are also machine. And the Felix is like, hey, we don't take man. We only take machine. So if you can figure out a way, make it work. So once he kind of, you know, pulled the trigger on that and realized there's no turning back, I think that's when he was like, okay, you two are the only ones who have actually been brought here, not bred here. So I'm curious, should I kill you now, or you, or should I let you live? And tell the tale as we move forward. Um, just that kind of dynamic of him not knowing whether he should or not, I think was good. But I also thought it was great that he was cocky enough to not even pay attention to Wolverine's going to kill him now. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I found it funny that like earlier in that um, issue that there were other humans apparently in the zoo or mutants. Yeah, other mutants were in the zoo. Yeah. Um, but he was like, you can't touch me because i'm like i think i'm too fast. so superior i'm so intelligent <laughs> that i think faster than you and you know and wolverine said we'll see yeah we'll see and then he's just like shank you, you know, know he let his guard down talking all that smack you yeah know? he was monologuing exactly like, like just all like all great villains, villains do yep. oh yeah yep and it was funny i liked how wolverine was like i hope that was fast enough 
after killing him. You yeah. Know, that was cool. Well, he always got to get in the, the last dig. Well, and as soon as you see that that happened, and as soon as you see her die, and we get to know that that was life number six, and that's what brought full circle, it makes so much more sense seeing why she chose her path in, her, in life seven, you know, and life eight and life nine. You know, it made more sense mm-hmm. seeing that. But without that, the House of X never would have happened. Yeah. You know, I, I think that was the catalyst that really brought it home because when you come face to face with your annihilation more than once, you, you eventually you're going to start getting a little bit darker. You know, you know, if you become a prepper and then you start to see that what you're prepping for may actually be happening, you start amping it up a little bit, <laughs> you know. And so I think this is exactly what happened to her. And that's what I absolutely love about how this all concluded. You know, we, you know, just it coming full circle, you know, her convincing Charles that he has to change, you know, him accepting the change, him teaming up with Magneto, even though they had different ideas, accepting the villains as a part of the island, as a part of their, you know, sovereign nation, you know, one mutant under mutants you know, <laughs> type of thing. You know, I, I just I wonder if they have a pledge in Kokoa. I, I don't know. I think that would be great. Be you know, cool. Sorry. <laughs> all, Tandu, all, t- all the little mutants, you know, <laughs> the, 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 I plan to mute. Yeah, um, I feel like sorry. it'd be to like Krakoa or something, but yeah. Oh, that that ties in perfectly to something we'll talk about later on, but, <laughs> but proceed. But yeah, I, I just the I, I thought that it was so well contained, you know, and mm-hmm. just her character how they've even kept her just off the side. You get a black hole. You get, uh, we're going to go ahead and build you an efficiency apartment inside of a black hole where no one knows you exist so that we can keep you safe. You huh. know, and But we're going to keep you informed on everything that's happening so you can let us know whether you think this is going to ruin our chances. You know, And then to find out it doesn't matter anyway. Because every version of everything, mutants always lose. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous, and to know that just with you saying that they had like had her sheltered and protected in this way, it's a really interesting way, like how someone would use like her mutant ability. Now having like the contingency of like it being overpowered, right? It's like okay, she just has infinite lives. There's like infinite reincarnations, like all this infinite knowledge. But no, she's granted ten, and now like just even across the way, how she's handled, how she's written, how she's used across House of X and Power of X, or mainly just like in powers and um. Kind of like they better utilize like her her mutant ability. Like, okay, we're going to use you now as like an information housing unit at this point because we don't want to mess everything up. Well, they don't want anything to happen to her because if she dies, all the progress they've made starts over. Right. And they can't promise that she'll be able to come back to fix it again. Sure. So now at this point, it's not even just a matter of saving her. It's about saving the timeline they've created. It's about saving the utopia that they've created. It's about saving just this whole grand scheme. Mm. You know, and that's why I think it's great because, like, as she just, you know, will she just popping it out on her own or will they bring her out to be like, hey, confirm this, you know, (laughs) or, you know, like, will somebody break into the bomb? You know, because there's going to be people eventually who are going to try to rise up against Xavier or rise up against Magneto because no matter what happens, as peaceful as the intentions may be, there's going to be violence. Yeah. You know, you're putting all of the people of one kind in one place. You know, you saw what happened with Genosha. 16 million mutants were dead in an afternoon. You know, that was more mutants potentially that died than when they said no, when Scarlet Witch said no more mutants. 
you know? Right. <laughs> so, right. So like, it's, you know, when you think of the grand scale that is this, like they can't let anything happen to her. So how it continues from here, I, I am very curious to find out. And what we uh, what we get a sense of in X Men is a nice breather from the whole story because we um, basically f- to recap um, X Men number one you basically get a sense of what X Men what um, the X Men are doing and what the Cyclops led team is doing and Cyclops mm-hmm. Cyclops and his whole family are doing as well. Um, it's interesting the way. Um, <clears throat> Xavier like allows certain certain things to happen for the um Cyclops family because what was interesting in that regard was that like he let um Cyclops' dad in. And Cyclops' dad is not It was a like mutant. a Summer's family reunion, basically. Yeah. 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 And what was interesting was that Cy- Cyclops' dad, from my understanding at least, is a human. So He, he is a human. Uh he was a space pirate. He uh was abducted by the Shi'ar Empire. And uh, formed the Star Jammers. Uh, the, <laughs> the Star Jammers have a long-running history with uh, the X-Men. They even got, I think, a two- or a four-part miniseries in the mid-'80s. Um, and it's been really interesting to see kind of how that dynamic shifted because young Cyclops even had his own series where he went off with his dad in space. So his dad got to create some new memories with a younger version of his son that he was not able to hang out with. So that was kind of neat. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the family summers reunion uh, was kind of a cute thing. Uh, it really kind of reminded you that oh, they're resurrecting everybody. They're bringing everybody back. Um, it, and yeah, it, it showed he's a good leader. It showed that it was kind of everybody's at peace. But even though everybody's at peace, we're still preparing for war. We're still we have a mission. We still are going to move forward. And like. Dad said, hey, these are people who are scared, and now you look like you're gearing up for war. And we'll deal with it when it happens. You know, I love the new mentality of it. I love that he's like, I'm just going to do what I'm told, and we'll deal with it when it comes. Yeah, that always war-ready mentality. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's like I feel like for Cyclops specifically, that's kind of like a a core part of his character. Like, he's always ready, always ready for action. He's the mutant Captain America. Yeah, you beat me to it. But yeah, pretty much much it. That's how, how you look at it. But, uh, yeah, th- this is, it's a lot. And it's, I know, M- Michael, you and I have been saying this for, like, the past months, just in the world of comics, there's been a lot. Yeah. Like, since the summer, there's been a ton. But I think that with with reboots, with refreshes, with different takes on stories, there's always this refresh, this sense of being refreshed. Like, the sense of, especially with the X-Men, this is new, this is exciting, this is a lot of information, but it, like, we've just been saying this whole time, it's intriguing. It's engaging. You, you feel like you're along for the ride as you should with all comics, but it's it's just so cool to see something this special and this new in with two different storylines going on at the same time to come together and work so well together. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's been great. And, you know, because this has been so good, I think it's really going to increase the sales of their new books getting ready to drop. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, just moving forward as the dawn of X, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. X-Men number one, Marauders number one, Excalibur number one dropping in October, uh, New Mutants number one, uh, which each one of these titles is going to have something unique about it. Uh, Fallen Angels is going to be kind of like the original Fallen Angel series in the mid-80s, where these are just mutants who don't feel like they have a home, like they feel a little out of place. Um, They don't necessarily know why they're on this island or what their job is yet. Um, yet they still want to seek some vengeance. 
Uh, and will their actions have an effect on the grand scheme of how the world looks at the mutants? Uh, so that's going to be a really cool series. X-Force, I mean, this is basically going to be mutant CIA black ops team. You've got Beast running the intelligence side of it and mm -hmm. Wolverine running the, you know, boots, field, on, the ground. The boots on the ground side of it. Uh, that's going to be great. Uh, New Mutants going to be basically a detective book uh, in space. Uh, like that. <laughs> so in that's going to be, yeah, really freaking cool. Marauders is a pirate book. Uh, if you, which just dropped a couple weeks ago, and it's Kitty Pride as a, a captain of a pirate ship. Uh, right. Logan, you were telling me this before we went, we went on the <laughs> air. Just about, uh, Marauders, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. For some reason, the whole concept though is wrapped around the idea that she can't go through the portals right now. Right. Um, yeah, which is interesting because I'm wondering because her ability is to like be intangible and stuff to phase through yeah, things. If that's a factor, or maybe just correct. <sighs> I can't say its name, but you know the island can't re doesn't really like her for some reason. Well, I guess we'll find out. Through. We'll find out, yeah. But that's the whole hook for Marauders number one and Excalibur number one is kind of interesting because we get to see new Captain Britain, uh, Elizabeth Braddock, uh, Psylocke. Her she got to split up because uh, it was her personality in the body of a ninja assassin. Uh, hmm. So it was basically dual personalities in the body. Now it's you know, two like your everyday kind of problem, like your everyday kind of X Men problem. <laughs> and so now that they've finally separated the two personalities, given them both a body, we've got one taking over for her brother as the new Captain Britain, and the other one starring in Fallen Angels, trying to figure out her place in the world. Now that she doesn't have to share a body with a British woman. Um, <laughs> so I, I think with all of these books getting ready to come out, uh, they've done just such a good job leading up to this I, that I. Totally, I'm going to be at the comic shop picking up all of these new number ones. And even better yet, more coming in 2020 with Wave 2. Um, Ira's getting her own miniseries. Wolverine's getting a new number one. So, I mean, X-Core is coming back. So, I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah, you got a lot of content coming a up here. A lot to come. <laughs> so, just, there's just oh, there's so much. Always and, so we're, much. we're never in lack of content. Whether it's good or it's bad, we're never in any lack of content. Amen to that. C kind of like a, a, a side comment with all of that said, because some of the greatest stories will translate. And Michael, you and I talk about this quite a bit, just like translation to, from big slash small screen, right? So I was curious on what you guys think, how this story in House of X and Power of X because we've seen some crazy stuff just happen with superheroes and TV kind of stuff. Could this translate to the bigger, the small screen at all? Personally, I think that uh, Marvel needs to step up their animated game again. Uh, I think DC's animated films have been superb, uh, and unlike their live action. So, well, we don't have time for that, Michael. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, so I would love to see just a, uh, a Blu-ray or some sort of like three-hour film come out yeah, cool. where you know it, it's just fantastic animation or better yet give me the x-men 90s cartoon but give me the story of house and power you know yeah in that i i would love that and then your voice actors could be whoever you want bring in patrick stewart to voice xavier you know bring mm -hmm. in hugh jackman to voice wolverine and then that way they don't have to actually like get you know on their super diets again yeah you know or be bogged down but we can still get the people we know and love right. without quite as much commitment and i think it would just be a lot of fun for people like me who grew up watching na -na 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 -na. yeah <laughs> great one of the greatest guitar souls logan what are some of your thoughts on that just like translating from the the pages and the panels to the the big and small screen 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Michael. I feel like it, it's it's designed for a show, not for a movie. If you tried to do a movie, I feel like you would lose a lot of the depth and personality which comes with the series. And yeah, I would be interested to see what they would take for like an animated style. It would be cool to see how like how I mean, like not that the series is completely dark and it doesn't go like into gory territory, but I'd be interested to see like what type of style would fit this the best, you know, if we were going to do an animated style. Well, I certainly wouldn't necessarily recommend this for young readers. Conceptually, it is kind of dark. I mean, you have everything from people being murdered by robots to people being assassinated to, you know, people manipulating time and space and everything else. So, I mean, it is pretty dark. Um, mm-hmm. So I think to be like in a, a, a teen, you know, PG-13, I think would be perfect. Uh, it gives you just enough room to be as dark as you want without having to worry about, you know, it being too dark, too grotesque, too violent, you know. TV-14. Exactly. TV-14. Perfect. You yeah, know? Yeah. Just right in that, that to, cool spot right exactly, there. Exactly. And especially with uh, Disney Plus dropping soon, I feel like this would be a good... Good series to add on later on, because I mean, like I'm I'm hyped for that uh, streaming service, but I would I just feel like it's sort of lacking in the Marvel department because we're just waiting for the ancillary movie tie-ins. Really, right, right. I agree with you completely. I think it would be perfect if they wanted to make this even an ongoing series. You know, just reboot the X Men cartoon from the '90s and make it like this, and <laughs> just tell us all the modern day stories. It, it's really know. been a long time since they've come out with stuff like that. I mean. You, across like just animated shows you got plenty i think more heavy-handed in the spider-man realm of things but we haven't really gotten a chance to see revamped x-men on, on the smallest i think the last thing show. we had was like wolverine and the x-men or x-men evolution uh you know which are even now at this point five ten years old so you're still th- looking yeah. at like early 2000s yeah. for all that stuff yeah well awesome guys I- i'm glad we were able to go down that ch- tangent just pretty quickly because i think it- it's always it keeps kind of like the-, the the stream of things healthy just for me and my brain it's like okay I know something could be pretty good if if done correctly, which many times it hasn't been done correctly. For it, if it could translate from the panels to the to the big screen, I think that's pretty cool. But well, uh, as we come in for a landing here, I just wanted to we'll direct our now discussion to you, to the listeners. What do you guys think of House of X and Power of X? What are some of your favorite favorite parts of the series so far? And what are you guys looking forward to the most in the, in the new X Men? They're just going to be stretching out for what seems to be in a. And Jonathan was it Wickman Jonathan Hickman. Hickman, not oh, not yeah. not John Wick, but <laughs> Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> That's a whole different series. Yeah. We can talk about that for days. Too. That would be great. Uh, so yeah, there's like really great stuff that's lined up coming so far. We, there's many things that even we spoiled, and it's definitely a spoiler riddled uh, episode. But there's a lot of good stuff coming, and we're very excited to uh, to talk more about that as the time arises. And as we uh, we uh, hit our last section here, checking the long box. So this is the part where we. Not even related, doesn't have to be related to the topic that we went over today, but as we go through like some of our oldies but goodies and reading recommendations that we have going on, uh, we'll start with Logan. So what are some of the other things that you're reading besides uh, Hawks and Pox uh, that you wanted to recommend to our listeners? Um, I would recommend, because I'm mainly a spy guy, I would recommend, um, actually, Spider My Wife's Story, if you haven't uh, picked it up or have, haven't heard of it, it's basically a concept of... Spy moving in real time, and the trade for that just dropped last week, so I totally recommend recommend it. It was drawn by Bagley uh, with a script by um, Starsky. It was a great thing, basically just straight-up tribute to Spy, but also in a different format, which I thought to be really enjoy- enjoyable. But also coming out this week is, of course, the... Um, 
<clears throat> Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man series, which has been written by Tom Taylor, which is pretty good. I don't know who the artist is on this one, but it's not as good for me as um, Amazing is, but I'd still recommend it. It's still a good side ancillary title for Spidey. And of course, I'm going to be uh, picking up the next X-Men title that's dropping this week, too. I believe it's Excalibur. So. Nice. Yep, Excalibur is the next one to drop, so I'm very curious to see how that one's going to go. Oh, yeah. Um, but as far as uh, some books, I, I keep commenting on Cassandra Nova, and it makes me uh, think about all of the Grant Morrison new X-Men run uh, from, like, issue 115 to, like, issue 150-something, uh, where they deal with Super Sent or Wild Sentinels and the uh, events of Genosha and when uh, – Phoenix dies. I, I just, if you can pick up that collected edition, uh, so much of that resonates in Hawks and Fox. So much of that uh, kind of carries through uh, a lot of what's happening right now. Even if like direct villains aren't involved, some of what happened was involved. And just reading this makes me want to go back and reread. I've got the omnibus at home, so I'll cool. be sitting down and reading a few hundred pages. There. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The, the e- some of the easiest pages to read. Uh, yeah. I think for me, as we are in like the midst uh, of Batman City of being kind of flipping over to DC now, uh, it's made me very nostalgic of like Nightfall and Night Run and stuff like that. So I definitely would recommend reading the Batman Nightfall series. It's a big chunk. It's a lot of issues, but worth the read for sure. Uh, Absolutely. So, guys, this has been Comic Talk with your one of your hosts, Dylan Chambers. Mike Campbell. And our guest. Logan Trustner. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, see us next time as we dive into all things comics. <laughs>